If you have a Bible with you, please open with me to Ephesians chapter 5. The Holy Bible tells us much about God and mankind. It tells us that God is our creator and he loves us. It also tells us that mankind is sinful. We've broken God's law. And because God is holy, he has anger and wrath against both sin and sinners. And that's the theme of this morning's message. God is holy and angry and threatens extreme punishment on unrepentant sinners. Our text is found in verse 6. latter part of chapter 4 had been warning about certain sins. He picks up on that in the first few verses of chapter 5. And then in verse 6, we're told, <clears throat> let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, that is these sins, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. I'd like to concentrate our thoughts this morning on these five very serious words. The wrath of God comes. Because of our sins, God is angry. It says here, upon the sons of disobedience, that's a way of saying these are people that have disobeyed God. We are spiritual criminals. Back in chapter 2, verse 3, we're called children of wrath. That is, we are under the wrath of God and we deserve it. And here the apostle Paul says, let no one deceive you, as if to say, there are those that will say, what's wrong with those sins? And what's more, God's not really that angry with us. He's just a God of love. You've heard that. Don't be deceived by it. The Bible says, yes, God is love. But it also says God is angry with the wicked every day. Don't be deceived by those that would minimize sin or the wrath of God. Notice it says the wrath of God comes. It's in the present tense. It is already on its way, and one day it will arrive and manifest itself. It's like a train that's already on the tracks, and it's on the way, picking up momentum until it's, it reaches its maximum speed. Those thousands of tons of metal called a train are already on the train track going toward its destination. Picture this, and this has been known to happen. People do not take the warnings that the train is coming. When there is a little road crossing the track, sometimes a bar will go down and lights will flash and maybe even bells saying, don't cross, the train is coming. But sometimes people ignore the warnings and they walk out there or their car parks on there and the train is coming. And sometimes this is what happens. Two teenage boys are going to have fun. 
They're going to play chicken on the train track. And they'll stand in the middle of it and say, whoever jumps off first is chicken. And the other one will say, I can jump off just in time for the train. But they don't realize something. First off, that train can't stop on a dime like you see in movies. A friend of mine used to work on trains for 40 years. Up front, out back, he says, it takes a whole mile for a train to stop, even with all the brakes. It can't just stop on a dime. And you better get out of the way. So here are the boys out there thinking they're cool. And the thing that they don't realize is what's called the Doppler effect. You know what that is. Scientists have shown that as something like that is coming very fast, it gets louder and louder and shriller and shriller. It is coming faster than you realize. So the boys out there are thinking, we can jump off in time but sometimes they can't, and they're crushed under the wheels. My friend was once on a train, and they saw some, a man out there on the track, and so they're blowing the whistle, trying to throw on the brakes, and my friend was waving a lantern, yelling, Get off the track! Get off the track! But the train ran over him. My illustration is God's wrath is like a speeding train, We'd be fools not to take the warning. Get off the track. God warns us. Now, we can't prevent it any more than teenagers could stop a train. That would be foolish. We can't prevent the wrath of God, but we can survive it by salvation. We'll look at that in a minute. Why is God, it says here, the wrath of God. Why is God angry? According to the Bible, God's wrath is based upon his holiness. God is absolutely pure with no darkness whatsoever in him. He not only cannot sin or lie, he can't do anything wrong, can't even think about it. So God is holy, but sin is the fire that lights the fuse that ignites the holiness of God and it explodes under the term the Bible calls the wrath of God. It's explosive. The wrath of God is the ultimate danger facing all lost sinners. Now, I repeat that. It's the ultimate danger. The worst danger we face is not even death. Not even hell. It's the wrath of God in hell that makes it the ultimate danger we are facing. Ladies and gentlemen, the wrath of God is both vehement and violent. God is dangerous in his wrath. And since God is infinite and omnipotent, his wrath is infinite and is irresistible. We cannot stop it. People try to say there is no wrath of God, or when it happens, I can just dodge it or make an excuse. No, you cannot. It is as irresistible as an ant under the feet of a huge giant that steps on it. In fact, God is greater than a huge giant. He is infinite. And the Bible says God has wrath. He has anger, rage, fury. Now, our anger is usually sinful. Back in chapter 4, verse 26, it says, Be angry, but do not sin. And when we preached on that a few weeks ago, we showed that usually our anger is sinful. Road rage. We lose our temper. But not God's anger. His wrath 
is absolutely holy. And we are guilty. We deserve it. Listen to just a few verses. And there are hundreds of verses that describe his wrath. Let me read just a few of them. Isaiah 28, 18 says it's his fierce wrath. 2 Kings 23, 26, the fierceness of his great wrath. 2 Kings 22.13, great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. Job 20.23, the fury of his wrath. Job 40.11, the rage of his wrath. Let me read a couple of verses from the book of Nahum in the Old Testament. Nahum chapter 1. It says, the Lord is angry, the Lord is jealous, and he avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. word fury means like a storm, like a hurricane. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks, the boulders are thrown down by him. And the Bible uses a number of metaphors to describe this overwhelming wrath of God. It's like fire. Listen to these verses where the wrath of God is considered fire. Psalm 21.9, you shall make them, that is sinners, as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath and the fire shall devour them. Ezekiel twenty two twenty one. Yes, I will gather you and blow upon you with the fire of my wrath. It's like you're starting a fire and you blow upon it or use billows to in, in, increase its intensity. God says, I'm going to blow upon the fire of my wrath and it will consume you. The fire of God's wrath is like a flamethrower or a blowtorch. Deuteronomy thirty two twenty two. A fire is kindled in my anger. And shall burn to the lowest hell. The wrath of God is like a raging wildfire that's out of control. Think of Maui. Hundreds of people burnt alive. Some of them on fire running down the street yelling, I'm on fire, I'm on fire! And no one could put out the fire and they died. A picture of the fiery wrath of God. The order is this, God is holy, therefore God is angry with sin. He is angry with sin and with sinners, and therefore he will punish it with pain forever. An unbreakable chain. But it's denied and mocked by many people. They laugh at this. Even that claim to be Christians... Claim to be conservative, perhaps. How many preachers dare preach on this? Some of you grew up in churches, other churches. How often did you ever hear the preacher preach on this? I have, because God commands me to. But other ones will laugh at this. They say, are you saying God loses his temper? No. God has perfect self-control over his wrath. I used to do a lot of preaching in the open air like several of our men do, and I've had hecklers laugh at me, spit at me, curse at me, and do obscene gestures at me. And they'll laugh at this and say, God is not angry. He's not filled with wrath. There's no judgment. There's, hell. There's no hell. And I'll say to them, just you wait. 
Psalm 2 says, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. He that has the last laugh shall laugh best. God is angry. And the Bible repeatedly speaks about his holy wrath. Listen to this from Romans chapter 1 verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. What the, what the Bible means there is God is angry and he has revealed it already through nature. These are hints, these are illustrations. God is angry. That's why, for example, we have earthquakes and storms and wildfires. Those are all warnings of, what does it say in Ephesians? The wrath of God that is coming. These are just hints to warn people. It's revealed, and yet that verse says, against people that suppress the truth. They deny it. They say, God's not angry. I'm not that bad. Do not be be deceived, Ephesians says. It's coming. Then in the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 5 of Romans, God says, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Where they're treasuring means they're storing it up like a miser, hoarding gold. Every sin we commit is another hoarded treasure. Use this illustration. It's talking about the fiery wrath of God. Every sin a sinner commits He is collecting logs for the fire of God's wrath that he himself will have to suffer. And it gets hotter and hotter with every sin. Job 26.13 says, The hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. 1 Thessalonians 2.16 uses a slightly different illustration. It says, They fill up the measure of their sins And wrath will come upon them to the uttermost. And it's the idea we find in the Old Testament and the New of a cup that has a certain measure to it, like this cup here. It may be just a few drops, might be a whole quarter or a gallon. Each person, as it were, has been allotted a cup. And God, as it were, has said, I'm going to allow you so many sins until it reaches the top. And then God says, enough. The day of wrath will come. To fill up the measure of their sins. Jesus used that analogy in Matthew 23 against the religious hypocrites and says, fill up the measure of your guilt just like your father's. How full is your cup? You see, we never know when the last sin occurs, the last drop in the cup. We never know. How full is your cup? How close are you to experiencing the wrath of God? We continue to sin. Not just occasionally, but continuously, the Bible says. And we have more sins and God's wrath today than we did yesterday. And less than we will have tomorrow. It goes on and on. And as we, as we increase in sin, we increase the wrath of God against each sin and against us. Now, some people have more sin and therefore more wrath than other people do. Think about it. That elderly sinner that has never repented, that has never been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, has far more sins on his record that he will have to give an account to a holy God than a child. 
But every one of us has more sins than we realize. Think about it, millions of sins. And the Bible says God is angry, not just against sin, but against sinners. It says in the book of Psalm 711, God is angry with the wicked every day, but with some more than others. And you'd say, yes, those terrorists and the rapists and the drug dealers, those are the worst. Those are the ones that the Bible condemns as the wicked that God is angry with. Yes, God is angry with them. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, amazed his enemies as he saw their hypocrisy and he said, it'll go bad on the people in Sodom and Gomorrah that were burnt alive by God's wrath. Who were the Sodomites? They were homosexual perverts that had human sacrifices and they worshipped demons and they were punished. But Jesus said this, he said, it will be more tolerable for them than for you religious hypocrites. Why? Because they had more light and they rejected it. They had the Son of God right in front of them and they accused him of being a sinner. The point is, there's more wrath for some sinners than others and the worst will be the religious hypocrites that pretend to be Christians, maybe even attend a gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church like this or other ones. And they're pretending to be godly and to be Christians, but God sees their rotten heart and says, it'll be worse for you than for the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, you'll all be punished, but some more than others. The wrath of God is measured out in different measures in all are forced to drink of the poison of God's anger. All humans, young and old, his wrath is against each sinner, without exception. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all under the wrath of God, from youngest childhood. Has that ever struck you? Every second of your life, the sword of God's wrath is hung over you. God sees you as a wicked sinner, an enemy of God Almighty. And because he is holy, he is filled with wrath. And that includes us. You are under the wrath of God. God is angry with you now as he is with those already in hell that are experiencing it. The only difference between you and them is not your guilt, you're both guilty. They're experiencing it. You are not yet experiencing it. And not only that, God is very probably more angry with some of you here today than he is with some people already in hell. There are those that are in hell. The vast majority are in hell. Never heard the gospel. You have heard the gospel. And if you do not believe it and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, God is more angry with you now than those in hell that never heard the gospel and went to hell for their sins. And as we sin more every day, so the wrath of God against us increases. It builds up momentum. Those in hell are punished in different ways. Some more, some less, but even the least punishment from the least wrath of God is more than we can imagine and certainly more than anyone can endure. But those in hell will realize they're getting what they deserved. And some will say, I lived a long life with many sins, blatant sins. I laughed at the gospel. They will wish, they will swear 
and wish. I wish I had died younger so I would have less sins to be punished for. But they cannot erase the past. Some will say, well, you're talking about the wrath of God. I don't sense the wrath of God. I've had hecklers laugh at me. What are you talking about the wrath of God? I have actually seen with my own eyes and heard with my own ears hecklers in the open air say, if there's a God, may he strike me dead now. And I said, buddy, you better be glad God didn't hear your accusation in prayer. Why then is God not showing his wrath right now? It says the wrath of God is gradually revealed. Why not the full blast now? Second Peter 3.9 tells us, says God is patient. He's willing and waiting for lost sinners to repent. That's why he's warning us. And he's pleading with us, it says in 2 Corinthians 5. It says it where God is begging us, turn from your sins lest you suffer his wrath. He restrains it temporarily. Isaiah 48, 9, God says, For my name's sake I will defer my anger, and my, for my praise I will restrain it from you. The Bible repeatedly says God is slow to anger. In fact, one verse says this is his strange work. His main work is to show love and mercy. But when his holiness is offended, his wrath is ignited. And it does become angry. The longer God waits and restrains his anger, and the more sins that sinners commit, the more intense his wrath becomes. It's like more and more water pent up behind a dam. And like that dam in Libya that broke. Did you see the news reports of that? 10, 20 feet tall and he was moving cars and trucks down the road. Thousands of people drowned. A picture of the wrath of God. It's building up more and more pressure against mankind and against each man. But one day it will break. And it will be irresistible to resist. That's why this verse says the wrath of God comes. The full blast of God's wrath it was predestined in eternity. Predicted in the Bible. Warned about by preachers. When will it come? Because it says it's on its way. Three stages. Number one, when a lost sinner dies. Unrepentant. His body will be buried or maybe cremated, but his soul immediately goes into Hades. As Luke 16 describes it, a place of torment. And we are waiting our death penalty one day like a convicted murderer on death row awaiting his execution. So when we die, we begin to experience the wrath of God if we die lost. But secondly... And primarily, it comes at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus comes to rescue his people. And as it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, to punish his unrepentant enemies that know not God and do not believe in Jesus. Listen to what the book of Revelation says about this. Chapter 6. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! Hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. 
for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. They see that the wrath of God is coming at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as they see his very angry face, they tremble. They'd rather be buried alive than to face the wrath of God. And it says here, the wrath of the Lamb. That's the Lord Jesus Christ who is able to stand. Nobody can stand against it. And then thirdly, the wrath of God is revealed fully. Not just at the second coming and not just at the moment of our death, but at judgment day. Just like a criminal is in the local jail, and that's bad, he doesn't have his freedom, but he's awaiting his trial, and then when he's convicted, he's sent to the state prison or perhaps the federal prison. God has a prison. It's called eternal hell, the lake of fire, Gehenna. And when they are judged and condemned, then the angels drag them off and consign them to eternal flames of hell. They are thrown into hellfire to suffer the wrath of God in body and soul forever. The wrath of God is already hanging over us. Earlier, Brother James read these words from John chapter 3. Let me read them again. He who believes in the Son, that's Jesus, has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but, listen closely, but the wrath of God abides on him. The words in the original Greek means the wrath of God is hanging over him like a sword. Or to change the metaphor, like the razor sharp blade of a guillotine. 250 years ago, that means of execution was devised over in revolutionary France. They'd take a person condemned, tie his hands behind his back and make him kneel or maybe lean on a board and put his head on the chopping block. And then the executioner, maybe wearing a black mask, would pull a a rope and that razor-sharp blade would come right down and sever his head. The wrath of God is hanging over lost sinners and will not necessarily sever his head from his body, but will sever his soul from his body, and that is called death. He will die instantaneously under the wrath of God. The sharp blade of God's wrath hangs over every lost sinner and can come at any moment. And then there's yet another picture. You see, the Bible uses these very vivid pictures to describe what to us is almost indescribable. Let me read these words from Psalm 7, one of which I've already mentioned in passing. 7.11, God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, he will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. So the picture here is the error of God's wrath is aimed at each lost sinner. When I lived in Texas and our family owned a ranch in the country, I used to go deer hunting. Sometimes with a bow and arrow. Some of you have been bow hunting. And you get that special shaft with Feathers at the end and on the front are three razor-sharp triangular blades that form a point. And when I'd go hunting, I'd use an extra strong bow that had a hundred-pound pull on it 
full strength, and then that would shoot through the air, and some of them were stronger that I couldn't pull back. They could even go through all the way through a deer. God uses this as a picture of his wrath. Zechariah 9.14, his error will go forth like lightning, a flame and quick and powerful. Psalm 64, 7, the error of God's wrath is described like this. God shall shoot at them with an error. Suddenly they shall be wounded. It's aimed at lost sinners. Psalm 45, 5, your errors are sharp in the heart of your king's enemies. Why does he say the heart? In the Bible, it's not just talking about the physical heart that we all have, but the inner heart we all have. The seat of affections that can either be holy toward God or evil towards sin. And so God has the error of his justice aimed at our innermost being. And more than that, Psalm 21.12 says, You will make ready your errors on your bowstring toward their faces. Picture that. Picture a condemned criminal with his hands tied to a post and a strong executioner pulls back the bow aimed right at that man's face. <sighs> Why the face? The face hides, as it were, our mind, our evil thoughts, and God aims his wrath at our evil thoughts as well as our evil feelings in our heart, and there's no way to escape it. But death is not the end of God's wrath, ladies and gentlemen. It's only the beginning. And the Bible repeatedly says God will have no pity on lost sinners on that day of judgment. His pity and his patience are for this life where God pleads with sinners and says, I love you. Come and believe in Jesus. And if you doubt my love, look at the cross. My only begotten son dying for your sins. But on judgment day, God says, no pity. In fact, there's several places, and I read some of them in my devotions this week, where God says, though they may cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Why? He says, I cried out to you when you were back on earth. And you didn't listen to me, therefore it is poetic justice. God will reveal his wrath without any tempering of it. He will show no pity. And God will reveal his holy wrath. You know, the great theologians talk about the great blessing of Christians when they go to heaven, they get to see God. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in their heart, for they shall see God. But what increases the terror of the wrath of God is that lost, unrepentant sinners get to see the angry face of God, direct, not indirect. Listen to what the Bible says, Ezekiel thirty-eight eighteen. My fury will show in my face. We've seen people get angry. When I was a boy, I had a very loving loving father, very kind, very wise. But there were times he got mad, and I saw it in his face, and I was scared. That was my father being angry with me, and I deserved it. My fury will show in my face, his eyes, his voice, like fire and thunder, the like of which we have never experienced. This will be the wrath of God that is already coming. Listen to some more verses. Last book of the Bible describes this, describes the wrath of God and the hell that people will suffer. Listen to what 
God Almighty says in Revelation chapter 14, He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. It's the picture of that cup again. Every drop of sin has an equal amount of the drop of the wrath of God. And God says, the cup is up. And now here's the cup of wrath. You've drunk the cup of sin. Now you will drink the cup of my wrath. And if anybody says, I will not, God says, yes, you will. And the idea that you drink it down means it's internalized in you. Just like you drink a soda or a beer or a glass of water, you drink it down. Bible says we internalize the wrath of God, not just physically, but into our inner soul. The Bible says so. Job 21.20 Let him drink of the wrath of the Almighty. Romans 9.23 describes the reprobate lost sinner as, quote, vessels of wrath. Notice wrath. Vessel means a cup or a bowl, a pitcher that will contain something. Lost sinners will have the wrath of God not only on them and all around them, but even inside of them. Like drinking acid in your body or poison in your soul. But I can guarantee you when we speak so graphically, and I am not exaggerating because this is unexaggerable. We can only get the tip of this because God is infinite in his holiness and his wrath. We cannot overdo this. We cannot exaggerate. But some people laugh at this. And they think they're cool like the boys on the train track. It's like the story of a teenage boy that thought he was so cool. You know, he had tattoos and, oh, everybody liked him. The girls liked him. And so he gets his buddies with him and say, let's go have some fun. I'm going to show you something you've never seen before. And they go to the local zoo. And they, he leads them up to the lion's cage. And this boy, Joe Cool, picks up a stone, throws it at the lion. The lion snarls and growls. And he thinks, I'm cool because that lion can't get to me. And he does it again and looks at his buddies and they say, hey, you're cool. Throw another one for me. And he keeps throwing it. Every time he throws, the lion gets angrier and angrier. And so he goes over and picks up a pole and sticks it between the bars of the cage and pokes the lion. That lion now is at a fever pitch of anger. But that boy doesn't realize somebody left the cage unlocked. And when he pokes that lion for the last time, the lion lunges, throws open the door, and lunges upon that boy that thought he was so cool. And he rips him to shreds. That's a picture of how lost sinners are poking the holiness of God, daring him to punish them. God compares himself to a roaring lion several times in scripture. But lost sinners laugh at this or they ignore God's warnings. And therefore they must suffer it. The Bible repeatedly warns about the wrath of God that is coming. It's also described in terms of a tempest, a storm, a hurricane, as you will. I grew up in New Orleans, and I experienced several direct hits of hurricanes. And other ones to the east and to the west. As a boy, I remember Hurricane Audrey, Hurricane Donna, Hurricane Betsy, 1965, hit square on New Orleans, and we had to flee for our lives. But the worst of them all happened in August 1969, just east of New Orleans, 
Hurricane Camille, which was not only a force five hurricane, it was off the graph. It was the most powerful one ever to hit the United States. Only one since then has equaled it. In the middle of the night, Hurricane Camille hit, but for days beforehand, it was building up strength. And the weathermen, the seismologists, said, this is going to be terrible. And so the police and the National Guard went up and down the Mississippi Gulf Coast. You've heard the cities, Biloxi, Gulfport, Pass Christiane, Bay St. Louis, growing up in New Orleans, I've been to all those many times. And they said, get out, get out, get out, get in a car, run, ride a horse, get out of here. The storm is coming and no one will survive. Go to New Orleans. Go elsewhere. Most of them did leave. They took the warning. But some did not. Some of you may have heard the story about the Hurricane Hotel. The variations of this, but basically the story is this. There are some young adults that say, no, we're not going to leave. We're going to have a hurricane party. So they got in a room on the second floor of a a hotel right there on the beach. And they loaded up cases of whiskey, had record players to play rock and roll music, and they had dance, and they had commit immorality. And they're going to have a fun, and they're going to drink. You'd have to be from New Orleans to know what a hurricane drink is. Hurricane is an evil, diabolical canister with eight different kinds of liquor in it. Whiskey, gin, rum, tequila. And as you drink it, it takes minutes and minutes, and each one hits you over and over again until you're on the ground crawling like an animal. Powerful. So they were drinking hurricane drinks, having a hurricane party, ignoring the warnings of Hurricane Camille, but Hurricane Camille was picking up steam and force winds 200 miles an hour. Picture yourself there in the hotel. The wind's getting stronger and they're dancing. Turn their volume up louder. Getting drunk. Having fun. And then the hurricane gets closer and closer. And then things begin to change. When the lights went out. And the building begins to shake. The women are screaming and becoming hysterical. The men are crying and cussing. And then the wind breaks all the windows and all those shards of glass shoot into the room like thousands of little bullets hitting the victims. And the storm continues to go and they say, how can we get out? There's already 10 feet of water there. We can't get in a car and drive. We can't, we're, help, we're helpless. Help, help. But nobody could hear them. In the dark, and here comes Camille and it hits and blows the roof off of Hurricane Hotel. And then the whole place just crumbles. The next day, the police and the National Guard went looking for anybody that could possibly survive this diabolical hurricane named Camille. And they said, let's go to that hotel where those young people were going to have a party. They didn't even find the hotel. Just a few boards and glass here and there. And they said, well, where are all those young people? They found them miles and miles north of there, all dead. Why? Because they did not heed the warning. I tell you the graphic story because that is mild compared to the hurricane of God's holy wrath. And that's why we plead with you. We give you God's warning. Run for your life. Run to the Lord Jesus Christ as soon as possible. and Do not mock or ignore God's warnings of the wrath of God that is coming. Almighty God threatens you with his wrath. 
And he warns you with his mercy to turn and avoid the wrath of God that is coming. John the Baptist thundered and said, Who warned you to flee the wrath of God? I'll tell you who warns you. God warns you. You! God is speaking to you! Flee the wrath to come. And it's not just God. I warn you in the name of Jesus Christ, here and now, the wrath of God is coming, and if you are lost, it's coming after you. Repent, we beg you. There's only one hope of escape. The Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the gospel is such wonderful news. He's the only hope. And he offers you total salvation. So that you don't have to experience the wrath of God. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. Same words as in Ephesians 5. How does it work? And this is the wonder, the beauty of the gospel. Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, he took the full blast of the wrath of God. He was able to sustain a way not any of us or all of us together, even in hell could. He took the full blast of God's wrath. We're told in the Old Testament, who knows the power of your wrath? Jesus Christ did. He suffered it in his body and in his soul. And as it were, he absorbed it all from God so that those that believe in him will never have to suffer the wrath of God. They're safe. But those that do not believe in Jesus Christ are not safe. I close with two brief applications. Number one, if you are an unbeliever, and that would mean whether you know you're not a believer or if you're just pretending to be a believer, heed God's warning. God himself warns you. And if you don't heed his warning, you will remember this warning at judgment day. It will be too late. And lastly, for believers... Let us all warn our lost friends. Let us be God's mouthpiece. If you warn your friends, your family, your neighbors of the wrath to come, if you saw them asleep in a house that was on fire, you'd bang on the door, climb through the windows to warn them. We need to warn them. And then lastly, remember, we too were once under the wrath of God. Ephesians 2, 3 says, we were children of God as the rest of mankind. Brothers and sisters, we had the sword of God over us. We were on the train track of God's wrath. The lion of God's wrath was aimed at us. And it is only by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved. We should fall on our knees and with tears thank him. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. And dear brethren, if you have been saved, you will never, ever experience the wrath of God that is coming. Let us pray. Father, because you are holy, you are angry with our, us and our sins. But because you are loving, you also warn us
and invite us to be saved by Jesus. Move upon all of our hearts this morning, Lord, and show us where we stand with you. We plead with you on behalf of any lost sinners listening to these words, that you would work in their hearts and give them no rest until they run to Jesus and believe in him. And Father, on behalf of my brothers and sisters here, I thank you for your grace and your love that saved us from your wrath. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.